0: coming to you not live and not unedited this is the hearts and hands podcast in episode 12 we talked about creating a welcoming atmosphere and we talked with carissa nelson about using your space intuitively
1: Welcome to another episode of the Hearts and Hands Podcast. I'm your host, Tim, joined by my co host, Drew. Drew, how are things going for you?
0: Pretty well. Working through a kind of period of transition here as we're working on calling a new pastor and everything, and, you know, preparing for the possibility that we might have a a period of a vacancy and what that looks like, especially from the point of view of, you know, still we might have some new people walking through the doors or some people that are coming back for only the second or third time or whatever. And just what does it look like to be welcoming and to be, to reach out to those people when we don't have a pastor who's standing right by the door doing that for us? Um, you know, we do it to a certain degree already, but it, it you know, it's just got to look different if you don't have that pastor to fall back on. So we're assessing kind of as a, as a congregation, how to best go about that in an intentional and
1: effective way. Yeah, I think that's a very important idea to make sure that you have someone or something that's welcoming right away because if someone walks into a building and they don't see someone, they might not realize that they're in the right place or the right time. We're actually going through not a vacancy, but we're going through a similar idea of what can we change to when people walk through our door in order to make sure that they feel welcome right away. And one of the things we're talking about is Going away from just the typical idea of greeters that are standing near the door saying hi and ushers that are handing out bulletins at the entrance to the sanctuary and going through more of a welcome team idea or like a host team idea where you'll have people even outside, which might not work so well for us in winter because it is literally frigid. But um, having people outside and inside and just saying hi, welcoming them in identifying visitors right away, leading them right to our welcome center where they can get more information before even stepping into the sanctuary for the first time. So I'm not sure something like that would would work for you at, at your church or not.
0: Yeah, and I think certainly something that doesn't always spring to my mind right away when I am thinking about this, um, but that came up when we talked to Carissa this week, was how your space and your even the flow from your front door to your worship space and through your lobby and all these different things, how that can affect both how someone feels welcome, but also just how easy it is for a person to actually get into your worship space or know what they're supposed to be doing. So we've got some great thoughts from Carissa, so let's go ahead and listen to those now.
1: Today, we're excited to welcome Carissa Nelson to the podcast. Welcome, Carissa. Hello. Hello. Carissa, for our listeners, could you explain a little bit about who you are and what you do?
2: Yes, my name is Carissa. I guess I consider myself to be a designer because I started out in the world of architecture and have moved into some related areas as well, especially graphic design and illustration. But I kind of move between those worlds still. And I'm not very set on one particular area of art or design. I seem to keep evolving into different areas with my work. So really anything that involves right now the intersection of ministry and design and church and context studies. Those are areas that I'm really interested in and do my work in.
1: Cool. Uh, Chris, I was I had the opportunity to attend your uh, breakout session at the last Hearts and Hands workshop, and one of the things you talked about was uh, the intuitive use of a building when it comes to a worship space. Could you just expand a little bit about uh, what that really means and what sorts of things churches should be looking for?
2: Yes. Really, you should start thinking about it probably all the way from the street and the parking lot and then in through your building to the worship space. And it's not really that complicated as long as you remember to think about people and how they're using your place. Because if you stop and look at it with fresh eyes and think, how does a person arrive here? How do they know to get here? Where do they park or do they take public transportation? And then What is their experience coming in and finding where they need to go? You'll come across a lot of these answers on your own. And then if you observe how people are using the spaces that you already have, you can sometimes make small adjustments that will make the process easier, as long as you're watching, observing, and asking people for feedback on how it's going, that can just make the process of being a new person coming into a place a lot easier and help them to understand what's going on. And the reason you would bother is because they can tell that it's important to you that they are there. If it's kind of a puzzle how you arrive and where you go in and how you navigate your place, then it gets to be more of like a secret place that you have to know the codes to operate and then (laughs) (laughs) It's just more welcoming and comfortable for people if you pay attention. After a while, you stop seeing things at your church, but new people see them right away. There might be a weird chair that's sitting right by the entrance, and it's been there for 10 years. You don't see it, and they see it right away. Things like that are really helpful to ask guests if they're noticing these things and what would make it more comfortable.
0: Have you found in your experience certain things that are more commonly blind spots for people, like things that churches just don't realize that they're doing that makes their their space not intuitive to use, but they're just so used to it that they can't see it with that fresh perspective?
2: There's, There's a couple different ways that are common. One is the entry sequence into a building. If your building is older and you've added a parking lot towards the back of the church, then the entry sequence isn't how the building was originally designed to go. A lot of older churches have the main entry on the street, but most people don't enter it that way. So that's one thing that's difficult. The other thing that's easy, at least intellectually easy, I think it's difficult more socially, but uh, clutter and old stuff, old furniture, and making sure that you're working through, like if you have a display with a bunch of brochures and information that it's not out of date and untidy, or if you have information that is on a table near the entrance and things like that and haven't updated that and kept it tidy, some of those sorts of things you'll get used to if you're there a lot. But if you're a new guest, you would expect to find up-to-date information that tells you about a ministry as soon as you come in. You expect to find kind of a welcome center with maybe a map through the building and the highlights of what happens at this church and what they should expect and how to move through the ministry there. But if you've been attending a long time and you know that table has a brochure that was created eight years ago and it's still sitting there and no one looks at it anymore, a a new person isn't going to understand that that table's been sitting there. Things like that. You might have newer updated furniture somewhere else in the building, but it's not what they see when they first come in. That just gives a different feel for them about if you're putting your best foot forward and bringing your best to church. It's good if they recognize right away that they're welcomed and that this ministry is important to you and that you really want to share something really great with them.
1: Yeah, that's a great thought. Cause the main idea is we want to get them, you know, in the pews or in the chairs and, and hearing that, that message. But if someone's turned off simply when they walk in, it's kind of hard to, keep them coming through?
2: Yeah, um, especially if they have to navigate through a series of rooms or hallways to get to the sanctuary in the first place. If they haven't arrived at the right time, that can be uncomfortable too. If they arrive too early and there isn't anyone to talk to them or there's no one around, it's hard to figure out where to go. Or if they get there too late and it's kind of crowded and the greeters are gone, they don't know how to time their arrival based on church culture. So that's something else to think about, too. Is it easy for them, if they arrive late or early, to just come in and sit down and get into what's happening in the service?
1: There's a growing number of churches that are using a non traditional church building. Uh, Maybe they have a a flexible space or they have a rented facility. Uh, What sorts of tips and pointers would you give for someone when they're first setting up, especially if it's a rented space, to make sure that when someone walks in, they know exactly what's going on?
2: Okay, this is exciting for me because I've done this. (laughs) You have a really cool opportunity with a rented space to set it up exactly as it makes sense. So one thing is having... welcome space right when they arrive. So if it's like a conference room to have a welcome table near the entry where you have greeters and all of the information about your ministry and your worship holders and things like that. And then also keep in mind you you are going to need a space for the mamas with babies to stand in the back or to be able to move in and out of the room easily. So don't Crowd the back of the room too much. And then it's also nice to be able to shape the chairs around where you're going to set up your altar and have pastor preaching so that there's not a huge distance anywhere from the back of the chairs to where the pastor's preaching. So being able to set up kind of that little bit of a curved and not deep direction of chairs if you can, depending on your room, that can be really nice. So I guess having the altar probably furthest from the door, if it makes sense in that space, and then the chairs around there, and then space in the back for greeting and gathering and chatting and coffee and treats. That works That works pretty well, I think. And then this is one of those opportunities to watch how people arrive and use the space and then adjust it for next time if it's a little awkward because you don't have anything bolted down to the floor yet like you might in an older sanctuary. So you can try what works and then adjust it again. On am at our campus ministry center in Mankato. We have a big open space that we can keep moving things around. So we noticed there's a difference how the sound is for people singing, depending on where we have the tables. If everyone's gathered towards one corner, the acoustics aren't as good. But if we're spread out more around the outside of the room, we get a totally different sound for music. So if you're in a rented space, maybe it's not set up perfectly for acoustics and things like that. But you do have the opportunity to try things out and assess how it's going and then try something new. And then maybe down the road, if you end up with a more permanent facility, you will have had the opportunity to try out a lot of different things and and you'll know what works well for you and your church culture and your worship style by the time you're going to make more permanent commitments to things like that.
1: Yeah, I think you hit a key point there. A lot of uh, older traditional churches are set up as kind of a long rectangle where the altar and the pastor is up front, and then there's these rows and rows and rows of pews. So that w- when you mentioned that people, it's a good idea for people not to necessarily be too far from what's happening, but think of it more as a, you know, a wider space as opposed to a longer space. That's a really unique idea.
2: Right. And at Campus Ministry, right now we have people actually around tables like you would do in Bible study, because with millennials and younger, they're such social people. So we have more talking happening at chapel than you would normally find at church. And that seems like it's working pretty well. So thinking about social interactions for younger people is important, too. And to be able to try out some different ideas for that is good. It seems like spaces are, for worship, are moving away from long, dark spaces to light, bright, open, and more socially connected spaces. So what I mean by that is where there is less distance from pastor to the back of the room so that everyone is a little bit closer and can make eye contact with him. And maybe it's curved a little bit so that they can see each other a little bit better. I think that's one trend that you can kind of notice in worship space preference that's happening.
0: So kind of on the flip side of that, then, if you are in a more established congregation, but you're looking to do some some updates to your sanctuary or something like that, what are some of the simplest things that can help a more established congregation with one of those more traditional spaces to kind of update their space to make it more welcoming to current generations?
2: Something that I have seen happening a lot is churches that are dark are really painting them white. So if there's a lot of wood paneling, taking it down or painting it, updating some of those things so that the spaces are a little bit brighter, And clearing out, sometimes even the sanctuary can start to gather a lot of clutter, which you might not notice. But when you stop and think about it, there's a whole lot of plant stands and flags and chairs and all kinds of things that can collect that you don't even see anymore. And so I have seen some churches clearing some of that out and then making their altar area clean and simple so that it's bright and open. So that's one thing that I have seen people doing, and that doesn't even always involve a very big budget, just paint and cleaning sometimes. In other cases, they're putting in new altars and things like that, which is changing too, where there's not as many, you know, they're using, I'm sorry, I don't know all of the words for the pieces, but the baptismal font on one side and instead of having a pulpit And the readings in different spaces, it happens in the one. And so that's something with small altar areas that people are doing is not having as many pieces of furniture. And then also taking pews out, which is really hard for some people. So it might not be an option for everybody, but some churches are using chairs instead so that they can arrange the worship space a little bit differently if they need to Especially to accommodate musicians or children's programs up in the front to be able to move some of those areas around is helpful.
1: There's definitely value, though, in thinking that it's not necessarily adding things to make it more user friendly, but sometimes taking things away can create more of an impact. I like that idea a lot.
2: Usually taking things away because it's far easier to make a mess than to make things clean and organized because. We have to, it's the Marie Kondo thing, but with church, (laughs) because we have a hard time saying no to things, especially at church, because it might be something that somebody put there. But a lot of times we don't even know. We all assume that someone is attached to the things that are sitting around and sometimes they're not. You just need to talk about it and clean it out. That's why it is good to do less but usually we do more. <laughs> so yeah, that's the keep it simple concept for design that is usually really challenging when you're trying to do good design for church because church usually involves a committee component, which typically means combining the ideas of lots of people together, which is the opposite of how design works, which is to have good design Usually you need one clear idea because design is communicating an idea. So it's difficult to communicate a smorgasbord of ideas all at once. So once that design would come out, it wouldn't make sense because it isn't one idea. So that's just one of the things I'm always interested in is some churches do manage to prioritize good design and make it happen, but it takes a lot of work and intentionality to make it happen. It doesn't usually happen if you kind of just let things go and see what happens. It might just fall apart, and the design will probably just be okay, but not great.
0: Well, Carissa, we'd like to thank you for sharing just a small amount of your expertise today, and we'd love to have you on the podcast again sometime.
2: Sure, that would be great.
0: Uh, Carissa actually designed the logo for Hearts and Hands, so we're very thankful for her con- contribution there.
2: Yeah, that was a fun project.
0: For our listeners, is there anywhere where we can point them to see your work or to get into contact with you?
2: Yes, most people go through my website, which is com, And through there, you can get to my Facebook page. And most people that want to know if I have new downloads available, sign up for my newsletter. And you can do that through my website. Most people that want to contact me and ask questions about design tend to use the contact form that's right on my website. My email's on there, too. I'll to my email inbox. So I'd love to hear from more of you. It's fun to have interaction online with people and to collaborate on ideas. That's, that's fun, and it really helps enhance my designs.
1: Well, Carissa, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. It was a pleasure having you.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: What
0: I loved about that conversation with Carissa was it tackled something from a creative perspective that most people wouldn't think of as a creative field. If you have other out there ideas that you'd love to hear us talk about or love to talk to us about, we'd love to hear those. Email us at heartsandhandspodcast.gmail.com or reach out to us on
1: any ME social media platform at Wells Creatives. And for instant access to bonus content and uncut episodes, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash podcast. We have tier levels ranging from one up to 15 plus dollars that can give you access to different materials and help you show your support for our podcast. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time.